What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Welcome back to another episode of the Raw and Unscripted Show with yours truly, Christopher Roush, your No Excuses Coach, and you are at the place where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. I am excited to have as a guest tonight the beautiful Barbara Majeski on the Raw and Unscripted Show. Barbara Majeski, what's going on, sister? Thank oh, you. Oh, this is going to be a fun, fun conversation. So, Christopher, thanks for having me. You are welcome, my dear. Thank you. I figure I wanted to do a little preemptive little psycho buildup on that because we were talking about before we went on air, some of the things that we want to accomplish in this conversation tonight. And you and I met over Clubhouse. And for those of you guys who have been living under a rock, Clubhouse is an audio app that came out during the middle of the pandemic. And quite honestly, for me, and I'm going to ask you this question, Barbara, I had so many people telling me, Chris, you need to be on this app. You need to be on this app. And I'm like, I'm barely on Twitter. I'm barely, I'm working Instagram. I've got LinkedIn. I've got Facebook. I got Facebook groups. I got Facebook pages. I don't have time for anything else. And then literally one night, two people that I respect the most, um, messaged me within the same hour and said, you need to be on this app. And I remember telling my wife, it was a Sunday. And I said, okay, let me go download this effing app and blah, 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 and get on there. And it changed my perspective about humanity, especially what was going on during the pandemic and the political crises and everything else. I found myself in rooms with beautiful people like you, all of us from different walks of life, colors, races, sexualities, political preferences. And it was hours upon hours of people pouring into one another. And for you, my question is, what did Clubhouse teach you about humanity? Oh my God. I've learned so much from Clubhouse. I learned a lot about myself. You know what it, it taught me more than anything, Christopher, is that um, my alignment with certain people is, is uh, like the people that I thought that I like would be friends with and do business with. When you're on a social drop-in audio, all you can do is hear and he hear their message and their voice and their sense of humor and their likes and their don't likes and their ability to articulate themselves. The people that I have become good friends with and gone into business with and I will be lifelong friends with through Clubhouse um, are so diverse. And I'm so grateful to have this opportunity where my, my eyes were closed. I couldn't see these people. I could only hear these people. And all of a sudden, the people that I had the most connection with looked nothing like me. The race, gender, ethnicity, religion. I can't begin to tell you how it really just shattered who I thought my tribe was. Um, I've never, I think I'll land it by saying this. Um, I've always felt like an outsider in like all the social circles that I looked like I should have been a part of, but I've always been, I've always, I don't fit in. I don't fit in Yep. clubhouse. I fit in there, but I'm telling you, like my friend, Jonathan Bing is a good example. Um, Jonathan and I would argue on clubhouse till two o'clock in the morning about the pandemic, about the, <laughs> about the argue. Yeah. Both from Jersey. We both stayed in our, we stayed in the argument. So we didn't like each other's opinion, but we knew that we liked each other. And right. it was like being part of this, it, like this social experiment of like, just because you don't agree doesn't mean you can't be friends. And uh, his mother died and, uh, you know, I was going to go to the services, but I, I, I just I, I wasn't able to make it. So I sent flowers. I had his kids on the Today Show last uh, uh, last October. But if you heard us on Clubhouse, you would never know that we are actually more alike than we are different. We yes. like that. We'll stand up. For what we believe in. So I, I guess that's my takeaway. And I, I think Jonathan's like, when it, I'll just randomly call him, be like, yo, I got this thing. I love that. I love, I just love having these, all of a sudden, these friendships and these partnerships that I would have passed by because they don't look like me. They don't talk like me. They don't come from me, you know? 
I learned a lot about myself and really about people. And that was a mm -hmm. long day, a short thing. <laughs> no, no, no. That's exactly what I feel. I mean, I literally was losing faith in humanity. I'm a person that loves all people from all walks of life. And I, and I think to your point, Barbara, the fact that we lose sight of having those deep conversations and being able to not only just try to get our point across, but the bigger emphasis on clubhouse is listening. And I've always been a really good listener, but it forced me to be a much better listener to listen for what's not being said and listen to be able to paraphrase back to somebody and say, so listen, I understand that we disagree on this particular point. And here's what I see where you're coming from. Am I correct? And having that person go, wow, you just validated me by really listening to me. Let me give you an opportunity to say what you need to say about what your situation is. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that really extended out. That was always my kind of sign off during my clubhouse rooms that I would do, you know, a couple of times a week at least was, okay, ladies and gentlemen, we just had this amazing experience with 200 people in here, 300 people in here, whatever it was, 30 people. Let's go continue this out into our families. Let's, get, let's continue this out into our workplaces. Let's not be so scared and not see what's going on in the news that's saying, oh, everybody's divisive and you can't talk about this or that. Clubhouse for me validated the fact that what was being perpetuated in other areas of the news media and other areas of social media was bullshit. And that I was in rooms with all these amazing, beautiful people who were doing nothing but pouring into one another, who were struggling with the lockdown, who had been by themselves for six weeks or six months and being able to see the love and the humanity in one another that once the lockdown lifted and I started, I mean, I spent a lot of time outside anyway. I wasn't, I didn't stay inside like I was supposed to. But I went out there and I saw humanity in such a more beautiful light. And that just continued. I just, I've always said hi to people and good morning to people, but now I really extend like, how's your day going? You know, what's going on? I hope you're having a beautiful time or, you know, making a cash register person's like day go by. Yeah. And make them feel so much better about that. When you think about humanity, do you think that, because I know you're involved in the news media and whatnot, mm -hmm. do you think what's being reported in the news and the social media, do you think that's a real accurate depiction of what's going on in the yeah. world today? News is an advertisement. Yeah, you're, you're, it's paid for advertising and uh, different parts of the world. They laugh that we listen to the news with such like faith that we're getting unbiased and, you know, true journalism. It's not journalism. Your news is paid for. Those are advertisers paying for the news that you want. And there's people making money and things that are being suppressed. Uh, it was very frustrating to be. And it has been it's been something that is, I've known for a very long time. So right. I will say that. But I want to go back to what you're saying, like how all of a sudden you came out of the pandemic, you saw people differently. I did come out seeing people differently and I stopped really, I just, I, I'm not a very judgy person. I'm a curious person, sure. um, but I definitely like put people into boxes of like, oh, we would never be friends. And now I'm like, oh my God, who like, I would, I never do that anymore. I'm like, I wonder what this person's like and what they're about. And um, I'm just, I like, I think that I would love to spread that more to people because I think people's perception of me, of me is so not the reality. You mm -hmm. know, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Let me, let me tell you, you know, I can relate to your experience, not so much living in a car, but not having a place to, to call home, to not know where my next meal came from, to struggle, you know, with, with, with different things, to grow up and struggle. Um, and to overcome adversity and really just hold my feet to the fire when I wanted to quit. So I, when you talk about the bands that you have being unstoppable and, um, you know, no excuses, I'm like, oh yeah, like you have to, you have to message that shit to yourself because you are going to bump up against things that you, you're going to want to quit everything and you're going to want to quit everything. Yes. Your marriage, you're going to want to quit that. You're going to want to quit all the things. Um, so anyway, I just want to go back to that because I'm, I really am grateful for these friendships I bonded with on, 
clubhouse because we're a we Grant Cardone flew a bunch of us down on a uh, his plane to go to an event, a real estate event. And if you took up like it's just this gap, this like the land of misfit toys, you might say, or <laughs> like like the just we were such a bizarre group. We 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 but we were family, and it's just so interesting. Like you connect through thoughts and dialogue, and it, it really you connect more when you can argue through something. And come out that other side and be like, I fucking hate your point of view. I fucking think you're so, that's the dumbest thing that anyone can say. But that doesn't mean I don't like you. And I wish society had more access to that. Like the way that, I don't know. Anyway. It's true. It's true. Our, our mutual friend, Tony Rodriguez, and I have uh, some very interesting <laughs> conversations sometimes. And I'm like, dude, where, where did you get that from? Like, what do you, what stuff are you reading? But we, we yeah. love each other so much that we're like, okay, let me, let me see what you have to say. Let me see what you have to say. And I think that's what, that's what we need to be more you know, having more comes, of. Comes down to listening. You know, yeah. it's like, all right, you might not agree with what I have to say, but just like agree that I should have the voice to say it. And I think that that was shut down a lot during the pandemic. Like those who didn't agree with the the narrative that was propagated by advertisers just, and money. Just cut everybody off. You know, we were shut down. I was canceled on Twitter, you know? So, I, I mean, literally I lost, I can't, I can't even get that account back, even though Elon Musk is on there, but that's a whole nother story. But mm -hmm. um, it was just fascinating to be unpopular you know, for somebody who strives, they got, it's such a good lesson. Like Christopher, I don't know if anybody can identify with us, but I liked, I like to be like, I, I liked, I wanted to, you know, if there's a popularity contest for miscongeniality, I wanted to win it. You know, I want, I like, I like being liked and I learned how to be okay with not being liked. Not, you know, I was like, Oh my God, I just, I would always want to be on the popular side, but I became unpopular and I became comfortable with not being, liked or popular. And it's probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me because it allows me to move to higher levels personally, professionally, spiritually, and not let other people's judgment or opinion of who I am and what I'm doing deter me from my aspirations. So. Oh, I want to dig into that, Barbara. I want to dig into that. I love that. When you were talking about being misunderstood, mm -hmm. when I think about the different motions and different things, I mean, I've looked this way my whole life. I used to have long hair. I've always been misunderstood and like, oh, is he mad? Is he Prejudged. Pre yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that because so many people feel like they're being misunderstood. What's the deeper, what was the deeper work that you needed to do in order to let go of that need to be liked and validated and to fit in to be able to be in that land of misfit toys and to be able to sit there and say i'm going to embrace exactly who i am i'm i'm going to be me you be you let's all be us together what parts of things in your identity did you have to let go of to find that that confidence and that clarity and that that calm i guess in the middle of a storm where so often we do want to be validated we want to be included as little boys and little girls yeah. we're significant so we get the significance then we're important and yay but talk to us about that because I know a lot of people are struggling with their identity right now and they're struggling with finding that calm in the middle of the storm when so much is about popularity. Well, it, you know, it's tough not like it, when haters come at you on social media, at first it really hurts. But then you do come to learn like your other people's opinion of you, you have no jurisdiction over. Like right. there's nothing you can be the juiciest peach on the planet and not everybody's going to like peaches. So if your goal is to get everybody to agree with you, to like you, to support you, you are, you're losing the battle. So right. I, I, I've, I shifted somewhere along the lines of realizing that judgment of me was really just a reflection on the person that was 
judging me and I had no jurisdiction over it. I have no power of the way that you think, think of me. I only control how I, I conduct myself. That's it. I'm like, this is all I got. And as long as I am in alignment with my intention, my purpose, my, what I'm looking to do, then you can't sway me off that mark. Now you can take me a little sideways with your nasty words every once in a while, but you're actually not going to take me off course because like you, Christopher, I'm relentless. I'm relentless in my pursuit of living my very best life, living at the highest expression of who I am. And that means I'm a work in progress and a masterpiece simultaneously, right? Mm, like, oh yeah. I don't have this mastered. Like when somebody says something nasty to me on the, the interwebs, I want to fire back like the little bitch that I am. Like I am, I am a fucking piece of work and I got words and you've probably heard me on clubhouse. I can cut you with just my words. That is not. So then I go to this. Is that improving my health, my wealth or my happiness? Probably not. So then mm -hmm. I move on and I swipe left and I'm like, your opinion of me doesn't matter. I I'm going to go ahead and live my very best life. And you know, I just heard this really great quote. Somebody was saying like, block you. No, I'm just going to show you how well I'm going to do. Like I don't block anyone. Yeah. I've had people do really mean stuff to me. I ain't blocking you. Watch me win. Exactly. You're going to set the example for that. And I love that attitude because it's so important. I mean, when I learned about hurt people, hurt people, and I could do the same thing like back and I call it street, Chris, like there's still street Chris in there. I've developed a lot of filters and I've de developed a lot of ability because I've learned the important lessons of seek first to understand then to be understood by Dr. Stephen Covey. That was one of the hugest like aha moments for me because I spent my entire childhood with my mother who had to be understood. She had to be right. And with, yeah. what happens if you have to be right? Everybody has to be wrong. And what happens if you make people wrong? They get defensive and then it becomes argumentative and it becomes a one-upsmanship. Nobody ever wins. So for me, being able to sit there and say, okay, how can I seek first to understand then to be understood? I recently did some controversial TikTok videos um, and I had some people come after me for stuff. And my first inclination was to rip them a new asshole. Yeah. And I just sat there and I sat there and I said, you know what? I said, I actually feel sorry for that, for that being your initial comment, because I'm sure you're a good person. I would really like to understand where the hate and the anger comes from because you don't even know me. And so they would send me private messages. I can't, nobody would have ever responded to me like that. And I'm like, well, there's something in there that, that obviously I've triggered within you. I said, I'd like to your point as well, Barbara. I said, we're probably more the same than we are different. We're probably just having a difference of opinion on this little thing that I was meant to be controversial on because I wanted to stoke the fire on some things. How can we get people to sit there and, and, and be able to, to realize that we are more the same than we are different? I would, uh, you know, I just think we need to, have those examples where we can agree to disagree yeah. and we can hate each other's opinions, but we don't have to hate the person, hate right. the opinion, but don't hate the person and don't let it escalate from there. Um, because we're all operating from our, you know, highest state of consciousness. Right. And we want to try to get people to move. We, that's all we can do is just, just try to find that understanding because there's the cancel culture. I don't support that on support mm -hmm. cancel culture. I want, you know, um, our enemies are more dangerous in the dark. You're going <laughs> to yeah. X, Y, and Z. I'm like, I need to know, I need to know what they're thinking, what they're saying, what they're doing, you know, all the things. So I, I, I I'm just not into that. Um, but I think people really, we, we really do, man, we, we got a lot of work to do. I'm going to say this. I, I think 
Courage is not applauded enough. I, I think yeah. people need to grow a sack, okay? I think people need to grow a set of fucking balloons. Um, That's my girl. Go for even, it. Yeah, even on uh, Facebook. So many people behind the scenes are like, I don't believe men should, biological men should compete against women in sports. We're all like, you be you. You be the be the woman that you want to be. We don't, nobody has a problem with that. We want everyone to feel comfortable in their own skin. I think a lot of people would agree with that. Some people are on the margins. They right. don't understand that. You don't have to understand it, but just cool your jets. But biological men, like they, you know, I can't get testicular cancer. Cancer. I don't have balls, you know? <laughs> right? Like, let's just go with the biology, with science. If you were born with a set of balls, you were also born with a high propensity for testosterone. You cannot compete in women's sports. It's just not biologically correct. I'm sorry. Mother nature screwed you. Okay. I'm sorry. Let me send you some flowers, but get the fuck out of women's sports. Okay. Right. Like I don't want Mike Tyson getting in the MMA because he decided he wants to be a woman because he, you know, whatever. But very few people will post about that on Facebook. They, they oh, I feel the same way, but they're silent. Mm -hmm. People have no fucking chutzpah. They have no cajones. They have no balls. They got no balloons. They, oh, yeah. yeah. Your silence is the problem. Your silence is the problem because the people that are putting it out on the media and making women of the year that are better men are fucking women. And you're part of the problem. If you are silent when women are getting their autonomy, their, their, their womanhood is being bastardized. And you're right. like, well, I think that's really bad. I won't, you know, <laughs> no, no, no. You use every platform. And if you can't find your own words, then repost and use somebody else's words. But to sit there and stay silent, I think honestly, Christopher, is everybody needs to be reschooled on how to grow a sack. How's that? That's mm -hmm. my next um webinar. <laughs> how to grow a sack. I love that. Maybe how to be how to have how to have courage. You're have courage. What's the worst that's gonna happen? You're gonna lose friends. They weren't your friends anyway. You're oh, yeah. gonna engage in a debate. Well, maybe you'll learn that you're wrong. Oh, I don't wanna, I don't like conflict. Everybody has to learn how to deal with conflict and adversity in a healthy way, right? And stop the, the cancel stuff. That people are being silent while rights are being usurped. And in private, everyone's a leaner. That my dad calls them the leaners. I agree with you. That's people that'll lean in, but they right. don't want anyone else here. Uh, honestly, I think our culture has really been, I don't want to use the word, but they've had their, their, their. Pussified. Yeah. You <laughs> word, not me. But I think their cajones have been cut off. And right. I think everybody's got to grow some and get back out there. And you know what? You're going to find your alliances with, with new people, new lions. Like exactly. Put in the chat, like lions don't, don't turn around for barking dogs. You're going to find yourself in, in a pride, you know, in a, tr like in a pack of lionesses and real ballers. And you're gonna be like, all right, these people, because uh, that's just how I feel. I think there's a real lack of uh, cajones. Yeah. And I, and I, and I totally agree with you because when you start being out there and, and being a little bit more honest and what it is that you can do and who it is that you are, like Gary Vaynerchuk talks about, you know, you need more rabid haters to have rabid followers. 
And I've always been one of those kind of guys. I had somebody hit me up a couple of years ago and they're like, Chris, I've been following you on social media for a long time. And I can't tell whether you support Trump or you support Biden. I can't tell if you're a vaxxer or a non-vaxxer, da, 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 da. You know, you talk about, you know, teaching your son lessons. What's, what lessons are you trying to teach your son? And I sat there and I'm like, Ooh, that's a really good one. Because my wife has said the same thing. She goes, why aren't you ever controversial? Why aren't you ever just laying it out there? And I said, because I've been so much a part of that divisiveness and that, 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 okay, if you're not like me, then I hate you, or I'm not going to listen to you that I've always been kind of like the person, like even irrespective of how I look, I look like a badass, like I can kick your ass and can, but I'm always like trying to be the bridge in those situations to say, okay, how can I get this person and this person who are essentially saying the same thing, but in a different way, how can I get them to have that conversation and be that, that be that unity. But I've also realized in recent times that for me to be a little bit more edgy and controversial and say some of those things has unlocked other people to say, Oh, Chris is actually finally having an opinion about these things. Now I can do those same things. Mm -hmm. So I think it's part of it's about leading by example, which is what you and I do. Mm -hmm. and, I, and you said it before, you said it before. So, so eloquently, which is going to cause me to shift gears for a second mm -hmm. is we're all a work in process. Mm -hmm. We're all a work in process. And some people sit there and look at us and, and say, Christopher and Barb have it fucking made. They have this, they have that. We're constantly a work in process. And we talk about resiliency. Talk to me about, talk to me about your life and your career. And perhaps one of the lowest points in your life where you really had to draw upon that resiliency and that courage to be able to get up and fight one more day. Talk to us about that because I know there's a lot of people right now. I help a lot of people right now who are really struggling to hang on. I'm a part of a dad's group where every single day I'm commenting on hundreds of posts, keeping these guys going. They're just feeling at wit's end. I know you've been through some tremendous time. So I will let you pick your, your times, but talk to us about some of those low times and what yeah. it is that you had to do to find that chutzpah. I like that. Yeah. Um, to be able to continue on when you didn't feel like it and you wanted to give up. I mean, I wanted to quit anything and everything that I ever wanted to do. I mean, they're just always that moment. You're like, fuck this shit. Like everybody has this fuck this shit moment, right? Lots. Hashtag that. <laughs> fuck this shit. I think it's from like breaking bad or one of those things. Uh -huh. Um, so I've definitely had those, you know, <clears throat> you know, push through and, you know, I, so for good or for bad, I will, you know, I've had the opportunity. I, I grew up with a brother with special needs and he has given me, has been such a guiding force. Cause I always thought, but I didn't figure things out and figure out how to make money, how to provide, how to really make personal wealth, like not make money, not get paid, but right. well, like I, I thought my brother would have been institutionalized. In my head, it was a do or die. Barbara, you figure it out or he's institutionalized and it's on your ass because he can't take care of himself. He's counting on you. And that that measure always pushed me through adversity. Like I was like, I, what am I doing? Like, I'm not that smart. And Christopher, I'm not. Like I graduated in a class of 360, right? That was the, every, the number of people. My class rank was 180. That means I was... I'm average, right. you know, I'm like, you look up like average height, average weight. I'm like, there's a picture of me. Like I am just not like I say to average, average, every test, average, average, average. Um, but I have an above average vision for my life and aspiration for my life. Yeah. And that is where it, where it begins and where it ends. If you do not see yourself successful, if you do not believe in your success, you will never be successful because whether you think you can or you think you can't, you are exactly right. 
So what I had was an unbelievable, obnoxious vision for my life. Um, I'm sitting, I'm, I'm talking to you from my shore house at the Jersey shore. I have a shore house. I have a New York apartment. I have a beautiful home in Princeton, New Jersey with a basketball court. I grew up with nothing. I go to nothing. I know what it's like to go to a supermarket and you've bounced so many checks that you have to leave your, your grocery cart behind and go home and not eat. I Done know that. what that's like. I know what it's like to go to bed hungry. I know what it's like to not know where you're going to be sleeping in, a, in another night. I was not, I was only gifted one thing and that was the gift of knowing, of having a brother with special needs that was relying on me to figure it the fuck out. Okay, Christopher, figure it the fuck out, lady. I don't care if you're not that smart or tall or short or but you're not a man. You got whatever your whatever the bullshit narrative is. You're not. Uh -huh. You got to go to the right school. You got to have the An right excuse. Work. All the bullshit excuses. It was like, good. Those are very lovely. Figure it the fuck out. And that's what I have. That was my my gift um, in my life. I was gifted purpose. See, Stephen gave me rise to the greatest gift we can all be given, which is the gift of purpose. I'd like no quit, no back door, figure it out, make it work. So I say this about my, my shore house in New York and Princeton and the other things I have going on is that this was all a vision at one point. This was all a belief. This was all like something I drew on a piece of paper, something I wrote down and I visualized. And I was like, so hell bent, like make a fucking big ass life for yourself. Take care of your brother, take care of your family. And you got like, all these things were in this head. This is where it starts. They, they were, I didn't, I didn't roll out of bed. I'm like, oh my God, I have a guy, I have a beach house. Oh, like it didn't happen. It was between my vision for myself and the actuality of it was just doing the work and figuring it out, but saying like very clear with like why I was doing the work. Why was I, you know, everyone else's happy hour in their twenties, happy hour. I was like <laughs> happy hour. People had Saturday. I worked six days a week, 12 hours doing like cold call straight commission sales. I have like a, you know, we all have a great story. Um, but I think like, when you ask like, <clears throat> how do I, how did I overcome adversity and how did I persevere when I wanted to quit everything that I ever started was that alignment and that vision of like, number one, I have to take care of my brother. I can't quit. I quit. Mm -hmm. He's institutionalized. I, I can't quit. I have to figure it the fuck out. And yeah. I did. And it was that vision, that alignment with purpose and that vision for myself that I was unwilling to, to compromise. I was unwilling. I grew up going to the shore with my best friend. This is crazy, Christopher. So I grew up going with my best friend, Carrie White, down to um, her parents would get a place down on the shore. And it was my one week of summer that I had summer. Otherwise, I like stay. I didn't have anything to do. It's not like we had like we're at the swim club. Like we don't have a swim club. Right. We, I jumped fences to go sneak into people's club pools and stay underwater because then nobody could ask for my beach uh, pass, my, my pool pass. If I was swimming underwater. So it was lucky I didn't drown, Trent, but I like hold my breath like a Navy fucking seal. There you and, go. Um, you know, so my one week of summer was spending it with Carrie White. Anyway, in my head, I was like, I have to have this all summer. I had like I was, I got one week. They were the best seven days of my life that year. And I just all of it, like I uh, but I wanted more. And I was like, I have to have a beach house. And now I have that. And sometimes I have to stop and be like, holy shit, you did it, girl. Like, yeah. 
pew. But I had to believe and I had to be relentless in that. I had to be relentless and unwilling to quit. Unwilling, um, unwilling. I was unwilling to quit, even though like nothing was going right. I just would take the next right step. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I'm not. And I just, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like a robot that way. I'm a, uh, like, uh, you can't, I don't know. <gasps> I hope that there, somebody. There's no, there's no secret. There's no secret why we both have, it's believe, you know, yeah. we just have, we had to believe that we're put yeah. here in this opportunity to do the best we can with what we have in those particular situations. And I think back upon my situation, and I love what you're talking about because so many people don't have enough leverage in their life. They sit there and they say they want these different things. And so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like the leverage guy. I'm the no excuses guy. And I know for me it was back in 2008, I went to a funeral and I sat in the back of the church and I saw all my coworkers eulogizing this person that I worked with. And I thought to myself, wow, what a beautiful way to live life. And I was, I was great on paper. I was making six figures in a corporate job. I was very happy. I was drinking a little bit too much, still taking care of myself, but I wasn't thoroughly happy. I wasn't content in being who I wanted to be. I was, I was very driven on validation and success. As long as I keep accomplishing more, more people are going to like me. It's going to take away from the fact that I feel this insecurity about myself. And so when I was sitting there thinking about this church situation, it dawned on me, I'm like, Christopher, if you died tomorrow, who would show up and what would they say? And it was hard. I thought, fuck, 10 or 15 people will show up that we're going to bring cases of Miller Genuine Draft and bottles of Jack Daniels and Motley Crue and Bon Jovi records. And they're going to talk about all the stupid shit Chris did. Oh my God. Remember that time he drove a sandrail without his lights on? Remember that time he did this? Remember that time he passed out? Remember the time he was blah, 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 blah. And then the postscript is going to be, oh, that's right. He was a homeless seventh grade dropout who lived in the backseat of a station wagon who changed the world. And I thought, is that really what I'll be remembered for? I want to be like this party animal who did all this stupid shit and chase girls and, you know, fucking did stupid stuff. Or do I want to be remembered for that? And so when I was driving home, I thought to myself, how can I gain that leverage? How can I gain that clarity now in my life today? And so I thought about it. I went home and I wrote my eulogy. God's honest truth. I wrote it out. And as I read it back to myself, I started having tears down my face. I was like, I was crying because I got to the part that said, Christopher Roush will have fought for what's right and what's fair. Mm -hmm. He will have risked words that mattered and he'll have left the earth a better place for who he was and what he did. And so for me, Barbara, and the same thing, I could see that for you, the why, the leverage every single day when I wanted to give up, does this, is this what I'm signing up for? I'm going to have I done what's right and what's fair today? Have I risked for which that mattered? Am I making the world a better place? No, you're fucking being a, you're in a piss poor pity party. So you need to change your perspective about that. And one of those things that I want to ask you about that's going to go deep is I had to find a new way to love myself. Mm -hmm. I liked myself, but I didn't necessarily love myself because of the person that I'd become. I'd become so many different things for so many different people. I lost my own personal identity. How can we get people to find empathy and forgiveness mm -hmm. and let go of the shame and the guilt so that they can love themselves so they can have that clarity to be the best person they can be? Um, so much to unpack here because I, I love that you wrote your eulogy. I don't think it's depressing. I think it really is clarifying oh, yeah. and it really can be so powerful because when you start looking at like the life that you want to live, and the my actions are completely incongruent with what I want. Like what I'm doing, like the time, your time is your most valuable commodity. And the number one factor of success is actually the people you surround yourself with. So yes. if the people you're surrounding yourself with and the, how you're spending your time aren't in alignment with your vision for how you want to live your life, you got to, you got to make some changes and some choices. And sometimes that does, it means like, it, you know, insulating yourself from the world and stop being a people pleaser and trying to like be, be the, uh, be the person you 
think other people are going to like and start being the person that you love takes real, takes real work, takes a lot of like transformation as an inside job, right? It takes a lot <laughs> yeah. of like introspection and honesty with yourself when you're being a total shithead. Like I, honestly, one of the things I teach so much in the More Life Collective is sometimes you're the biggest problem. Like you got to do that checkup from the neck up because you're, you're going to wreck yourself, right? You're, you're your biggest problem 90% of the time. Like your, your excuses, your narratives, your bullshit, your bullshit. Get the fuck up at five o'clock in the morning and go for a jug. Okay. Yes. Cut the crap. Why can't I can't? Yes, you I'm can. not a morning person. Well, yeah. you're going to be a fucking medication and a, and a surgery person. Get later on in life. <laughs> you want to change your life. Get up at five o'clock in the morning for the next seven days. Drink some water, go for a jog, go for a walk, go do your thing. Get start start your day better and yeah. start changing start changing your habit or cultivating better habits because your habits lead to your outcomes. So, you know, in just what you're saying, like, how do you, you know, how do you love yourself? Well, get clear on what you want. You know, you're supposed to be living your very best life. You're not here to live somebody else's version of your of a best life. You're supposed to be living yours. Yes. So, but most people don't even know what they want. So you get that opportunity to write your eulogy. How do you want to be remembered? You know, I don't want to be remembered as, you know, you know, the best drinker at a party, you know, and I'm not, I'm like the worst. I'm like a two beer buccaneer. I got to go to take a nap, you know, steer clear. You know, that was my rhyme for the day. Um, a rap a children's rhyme. book. It's a future children's book by Barbara. Yeah, and don't even um, but I do have an idea of what, you know, what the good life looks like. And the scary part about, writing. So I, I'm big on water walking, writing. Those are my three non-negotiables. So if you ever do work with me, I'm like, all right, come on to the more life collective. We're starting here. You want to transform your life. We're going to take on three non-negotiables and that's it. And we're going to get started right there. But one of them is writing. And I'm like, let's get clear on your vision of what you want. So I did something very cool when I was, I don't know, I probably was 13, 14. I wrote down, so my dad, we were living with my uncle in La Jolla, California. So um, it's my dad, my uncle, Jeff, and my three brothers. So that's five dudes and me. I'm 13 years old. Oh and we're living God. in a one-bedroom studio apartment because they lost everything. And all we had was my dad's like a painter's van, uh, like with two seats in the front. I mean, it was, it was not a good time. And it was very hard for a 13-year-old girl. And by the way, the la before I head out to Cumberland, my last week was Carrie White at the beach. And then I go live with it. Horrible. Oh, wow. Anyway. <laughs> So my dad would like drive us around to Ferrari dealerships and like beautiful homes and all this stuff. And he had me because my dad was a visionary and a believer. Like if you do the things, you can get the things. Mm -hmm. so my dad had me draw a pic because I was miserable. He's like, why don't you draw the house that you want? So Christopher, I did this crazy thing. I drew. So I'm one of four up kids. I have, I have two, we're two sets of twins. I have a twin brother, Ben, and I have younger twin brothers, Michael and Steven. My mom's a triplet. It's in the fam. Um, <laughs> but, with also, but my brother, Steven in the second set is the one with special needs. So I drew the four bedrooms and a master bedroom for my parents, but the four bedrooms had these Jack and Jill bathrooms. I thought it'd be so cool. That way we could go to our separate rooms. We'd have this secret, like, to me, it was like the secret pathway to each other's rooms. Sure. I'm like, I just thought it was really cool. Like Barbara and Ben would have like the Jack and Jill and Michael and Steven have their Jack and Jill. And my parents would have a master suite with their own bathroom. Like at the time I'm sharing a bathroom with five dudes. Right. I can't even express to you. I've blocked a little bit of it. <laughs> I can imagine. Locked it That's for a lot of nastiness. Keeping. Oh, I've. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um, so, 
Change the vision. Change the vision here. Yeah. So I pull up to my house. This is like three years ago. And I remembered right drawing this picture. I live in a house with four bedrooms, jack and show bathrooms, and a master bedroom. I drew the house that I live in. And not to make it all voodoo and crazy, but I'm telling you, it's the law of attraction. It's manifestation. It's like getting clear on what you want. And it's happened to me. I wrote down I wanted to be on the Today Show, my first booking on TV, the Today Show. Literally, it's the the, ma- the pen. And I'm sitting here as we, we go through this. I write things down that I need to stick in my head because right. I, like, there's power in the pen. I want to get more people to be like, get clear. Like you wrote your eulogy. That is transformative. Do you understand? Like getting clear on what you want, your subconscious mind has no sense of humor. So when you start embedding in your subconscious mind, like the vision for the way your life should be, you start moving in that trajectory. Mm-hmm. But here's the scary part that I, 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 I forgot, but not really scary. When I started to visualize my life after I battled stage three cancer and I started to be like, okay, you just, you just battled the beast. You dodged a major bullet lady. Cause most people, a lot of people don't survive. No. Um, and I got diagnosed early for a 42 hours diagnosed, diagnosed with stage three colon cancer three kids. It was a total mess. My husband had just ended the marriage. It was like one of those, like out of a lifetime movie waiting for my prince to show up. I have a prince now. I have a great boyfriend. Anywho. But when I got through that and I started to really be like, all right, I got another shot. I ain't going to, I'm going to fuck this one up. This one's going to be good. Mm-hmm. How am I living the next best part of my life? I got very clear on what the good life meant to me. And my husband at the time, uh, because we had tried to work through the adversity through chemo, had chemotherapy and marriage therapy simultaneously. That's a part I was like, that's not the person I can do this with. I can't do it with him. I I cannot do it with him. So I had to make some very hard decisions. Mm -hmm. So I want to just loop back to the one thing that we talked, the other thing we talked about. The number one factor of success is the people you surround yourself with. Yes. And if they are not in alignment with your vision, you're going to have to do some editing. And that doesn't mean you tell everyone to fuck off or you, 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 you know, you, you hire the mob. You just have to, you just have to guard your time. Right. So it, if that's a factor of success and these people aren't aligned with your vision for your future and they're doing things that do not make your time in alignment with that, you got to make tough choices. And I had to go through a really tough divorce to get to a really great place in my life. I own this beach house by myself. It's all mine. It's so good. Mm. Wow, Barbara. You, there's so many nuggets that have been dropped in this. One of the questions that I, that I, that I believe that I feel called to ask you is, is, is it's kind of a dovetail on what you just said before. And I love the fact that you brought that up because it really is. It's about taking that imperfect action every single day. I would not be where I'm at today in my corporate career, my, my professional life, anything else. Had I just not taken that imperfect action and figured it out every fucking step of the way. Like there was, I went to go one, I would talk to, we were talking about being rock stars before I wanted to go work at a record company when I was really young, when I was about 20, 21 years old. And so I started looking like, how do I start working at a record organization? There was no way to do it. So I started finding out, I'm like, sometimes record companies will actually create internships through colleges. And so I created an internship through my, through my community college to go work at Virgin Records. And so I manifested that. And I wound up having to drive from Huntington Beach to Beverly Hills every single day in my 1969 Dodge Charger with busted rotors and no air conditioning and overheated. And I did it every single day for six months. You were talking about uh, meeting Billy Joel. I had a situation where I met Billy Crystal. It's a funny story, but 
Um, I just kept doing that every single day and kept trying to create what is next, what is next. And so many times we get mired in the fact we think we're doing the best we can. And I caught myself saying this probably, let's see, my son's six years old. It's probably about seven or eight years ago. I came home from work, very challenging, very, very successful corporate career. And I was putting my keys in my wallet on my dresser. And I said to myself out loud, because I talked to myself out loud, I think the out loud voice is the smart one. And I said, I did the best I could. And I stopped myself for a second. I'm like, you, you really think that was your best, Chris? One of the most poignant situations in my life, Barbara, where I went, that wasn't your best. You could have done so much better. Why did you just say you did the best you could? And so me being very, very curious and psychological and studying child psychology, I'm like, oh, where did that come from? Oh, it comes from when you're a kid. Barbara, did you do the best you could? Yeah. Okay. Do better next time. Mm -hmm. It's like a get out of jail free card. And I sat there and I said, no, I didn't do the best I could. I half-assed it. And I'm sitting here having the expectation that I should have been successful when I really wasn't doing that. I hear time and time again, every single day, Chris, I'm doing the best I could. I'm hanging on. And I sit there and undoubtedly we'll ask them three or four questions and I'll find out they're absolutely not doing their best in your, in your words. And then we'll round out the interview because I know you got to go. Yeah. What, what can we do to get people to find what their best is? We talked about vision. We've talked about yeah. this tenacity, this imperfect action. When somebody says I'm doing the best we could, what can people do to call shit on themselves and mm -hmm. sit there and say, no, there's way more in the tank. There's way more opportunity. There's way more leverage. If you are a good friend and you want the best for them, then you have to say it's not good enough. I have just had this conversation with somebody I'm like, it's not, you are not trying hard enough. You are not doing good enough, period. Because when your intention is to help somebody, they feel your intention. I am not there to hurt you, insult you. I am, but I am, I, I, I'm not. My intention is to be like, it's not enough. You can do better. You can wake up and you can choose to eat an apple and have some water and have some tea and you can make better choices you can do better. You can make better decisions and do better for you. Did you walk today? Let me tell you something. Walking is one of the best things you can do for your mental health. You walk 30 minutes. Every day. Oh, yeah. So, okay. That's where I would start. Somebody's, I'm, I've given all that I can. Okay. <laughs> Stop. I would be like, stop. You're not. You're, there's so much more in you because you wouldn't be having this conversation with me if you didn't know more was in your tank, you mm. wouldn't be sitting down with me who's going to shine that mirror at you and say, no, 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 there's more in you. I'm not going to sit there. I'm not, I'm not that person. You know, because other, right, Christopher, like there's people out there that you can go to and they're like, you're so right. Oh my God, that's so sorry. But oh, if yeah. you're coming to somebody like me and you're going to be like, mm -mm. <laughs> no, you're not. And you know what? Let's, let's do this together. Every, I, I, I want you to send me a picture every day, a video of you walking your dog for 30 minutes and then show me your, your walking tracker. I want to see your water. I want to see you right. You're not, you know, I'm at, I, yeah, you're at your edge because you're not doing the things that are going to make your life better. And walking can be one of the most transformative things that you do. If your life is in the shitter right now, I want you to go put your sneakers on and go for a 30 minute walk, put some music on, do not answer text messages. Stop scrolling Instagram. Do not call your mother. Go right. for walk. I don't want you to do any of that. I want you to be alone with your thoughts because what walking does, it gets oxygen into your body. When you start oxygenating your body, you start oxygenating your mind. When you start getting oxygen going, you start thinking clearer. You get that, that those endorphins, you start feeling good. When you start feeling good, you make better decisions. If you are not making good decisions, then make one right choice. Grab, grab a water bottle, go for a walk. Goodbye. That's it. Call me later. 
and do that every day for the next 21 days and, and you'll be a different person in 21 days. You want to change your life, go for a walk. And I, I swear when people are like, they don't approach us because we're not the people that are going to give them what they want. We're going to give them what they need. You mm -hmm. came to me because you want to live a better life. You came to me because you have more in your tank and you are not expressing it. You are not living at the highest expression of yourself. You are not in the physical shape that you need. You can be in. You're not in the mental state that you should be in. You're not in the emotional state. And you came to me because I'm going to check yourself right now. I am literally going to stop you in your tracks and be like, grab your shoes. We're going for a walk and you can whine and bitch all you want. Listen, you're probably going through something tough. I got you. You're going through something tough. We all have tough times. I'm going to listen. We're going to, we're going to get through this and you're going to figure it out. But people don't go for us to be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. No. I mean, no. I'll do that when they're in a bad place. Of course, like I feel very bad for you. Let's go for a walk. I love that, Barbara. I love that. Um, yeah. Basically what I tell people is the five. Like hydration, nutrition, exercise, mm -hmm. sleep, and vitamin D. Mm -hmm. Not all just ask people. I gave out a couple of hundred coaching sessions over the course of the pandemic. And I found out that one of the questions was whispered to me was to ask people, do you love yourself? Yes or no. And I found out a lot of people struggle to love themselves. And then my next question is like, how much water do you drink? And I found out that people like didn't even realize that their bodies 70, 80% water. I said, you don't drink enough water. You're dehydrated. You're making shitty decisions. You're going to your short-term gratifications. You're not taking care of yourself. If you're sleep shit and you're eating sugar before that, and you're not getting any deep sleep, you're waking up exhausted. You go to bed tired. You're making poor decisions. You're starting off the day going, oh shit, everything's going to suck. And of course it's going to be a perpetual cycle because that's what you're envisioning. And that's what you're creating through the manifestation process, through that law of attraction. So I love that you said that. Barbara, I could talk to you for hours, hours, hours. I would love to get you back here on the Raw and Scripted Show. It's long overdue. Where can people get a hold of you and continue? I want you to talk a little bit more about your, uh, about you, um, what you got going on, and let people know what that's all about and where people can get a hold of you. Yeah, you know, um, so you can find me at at Barbara Majeski, Instagram, Pinterest, all the places. I've also launched the More Live Collective community, which is all about go from inspiration to transformation by taking action. I'm a girl that's like, you got the information, but information doesn't lead to transformation. It's doing the action. So I've launched this more life collective community to help more people take action in their life. It is founded on three non-negotiables. You'll agree with me, water, walking, writing. So if you are struggling, you need to join my community, start, start locking into these three non-negotiables. And the best part about the community is one of the things most people struggle with is finding their, the right people. They're not hanging out with the right people. They're not, not with big thinkers. They're with Debbie Downers. They're with people with bad habits. Put yourself in this community and surround yourself with right-minded individuals, people that are committed to personal growth, but they know that they need the accountability. So that's what the, the community is about. It's been unbelievably transformative for people. It's, it is all about taking action. And I, I can't, people have lost so much weight, but have transformed their lives because now they know what they want and know that they're not going to waste time wasting their time doing things that are not in alignment with what they want. So if you're somebody who just struggles to even know where you're going, you're like, I don't know what I want. This community is going to help you get very clear and very focused and you're going to be walking. So bring your shoes to the community, your water bottle and your attitude. And we're going to, we're going to make transformative life, life choices, right? Like I never sit down without, without water, mm -hmm. you know? I also sit down with coffee. It doesn't make me a bad person. Coffee makes me a better <laughs> <mom. laughs> 
Barbara Majeski, thank you so much for being here. This has been an amazing conversation. You are a beautiful soul. I love thank your you. raw intensity, your authenticity, intensity, authenticity, congruency, your fire, your pep, your everything. You know, I just love and appreciate you. I'm so glad we finally got to do this one-on-one. So thank you for that. I'm going to put you backstage for a second. Don't go anywhere. I'm just going to end out the show real quick. And uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you. You are welcome. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, 53 minutes of pure chaos, insanity, and direct, direct motivation, inspiration, education for yourself. I talked about at the beginning of the show, write three things down. Between Barbara and myself, we gave you tons and tons of actionable items from our own personal stories. This isn't stuff we've made up. These are things that we have personally been through in our life to realize what it is I can do to become the best I can be, what it is I can do to find the leverage and what it I, what, what it's going to take for me to go above and beyond in my life. The fact of hydration, nutrition, sleep, exercise, vitamin D, getting up and doing things differently. Dr. Wayne Dyer said something so profound to me. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And then also, if you continue to do what you've always done, you will continue to go get what you've always got. And I think the underlying and the overarching messages today is the fact that if you're not happy in your life, you got to stop blaming everybody else. You have to go to the accountability mirror and look at yourself in the eyes, look at yourself in the eyes and ask yourself, did I, did I show up here to be mediocre? Did I show up here to be complacent? Did I show up here to tolerate everyone else's bullshit? Did I show up here to sit there and hope, wish, and pray that someday things are going to change? Or did I show the fuck up here to be able to do the things that are uncomfortable, to make the decisions that are tough? Because at the ultimate end of it, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. And that's the delineation between people who go to, to, to go to their grave with regrets. And you guys hear me talk about it all the time. No regrets. And the only person responsible for that is you. So like she said, wake up in the morning, decide I'm not a morning person. Well, fuck, stop telling yourself you're not a morning person. Guess what's going to happen? I'm a morning person. You know what? I'm deciding to be a morning person. I'm going to get up at five o'clock and I'm going to go for a walk before everybody else wakes up. I'm going to get up and I'm going to spend 20 minutes journaling. I'm going to spend 20 minutes listening to some personal development tapes. I'm going to focus on different stuff to get different outcomes. And I'm going to associate with different people who are out there going and getting it. And I'm going to take that imperfect action every single day to better myself because I deserve myself and I love myself. Stop putting yourself second. Stop putting yourself third. Stop tolerating shit from other people. Stop tolerating things from inanimate objects. Stop tolerating things from yourself and watch your success change. I highly, highly encourage you. Again, the More Life Collective, go check it out and, and, and connect with Barbara and all of her social media again at Barbara Majeski. She's the real deal. That's the only people that we have here on the Ron and Scripted Show. We'll be back here again next week, Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Again, wherever podcasts are sold. Just go in there and type raw and scripted. You can type Christopher Roush. You can find my other podcast. And I just love and appreciate every one of you guys. Go out there and be the best person you could possibly be. Go out there, help heal humanity, set the example, set the light, set, set, the, set the path for what it is that's possible in your life. I love you guys. We'll see you here next time on the Raw and Scripted Show. Peace out. I'm Christopher Roush, and I love you guys.